Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash westwood1. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash westwood1 now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash westwood1. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels not in distress. Hoes came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot off the press. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. You And we always start with like a visual thing. And I try not to do that because of the audio. But um, you inspired me to dress a little nicer today. Well, you look nice to get your hair done. Thank you. I did get my hair done um, with a mask on. Was it scary? Uh, I always just, I think it's just the, what is it called when you just like have this effect of like, okay, now I have coronavirus, like just because just I was out, like, you know. Yeah. Placebo effect. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. I don't know anything new with me. You know what? Let's just talk about the guy that ghosted me that I'm letting back in because why not? <laughs> You know what? Why don't you just give me some advice, Lauren, as you do best? Yes. Let's hear about the guy. What to do. Okay. I went on a few dates with him back last year. Last year, yeah. And I really liked him. I felt like we had a good connection. Um, on the second date, he took me to Jumbo's Clown Room. Have you ever been there? Oh, and I never want to go there. That sounds horrible. Okay, I will say it's actually fun to go. It would be fun to go with, like, a group of, like, girlfriends and just, like, because it's not a strip club. They just have on, like, really cool outfits and, like, dance around. And it would be fun to go with, like, oh, girlfriends. Clowns. You said clown room. That's what it's called, Jumbo's Clown Room. Oh, I thought you were going to be clowns everywhere. I know, it's misleading. It's not. It's, it's indoor. It is indoor. It obviously is not. I'm going to, what'd you say? How is this legal right now? I'm going to assume it's not happening right now. This was last year that we did this. Oh, okay. Continue. Yeah. Well, he didn't just like, was like, let's go there. We like had drinks and then we went there. And it was awkward because I don't know him. Like it would be fun if I was like dating someone for a while and we were like, oh, this is fun. And just like throwing ones or with girlfriends or whatever. So I guess that was odd, right? You don't really take someone there on a second date. But regardless, I still like liked him and thought we had a connection. 
So after that date, he never texted me and I'm not really sure why. Uh, I don't know. Cause you run over the things that happened in your head and I'm like, did I talk? Like I said, like, I didn't like Trump. I don't know. I was like, did I talk politics too much? I don't know. And then, so then we matched on coffee meets bagel recently and I was like, oh, what did I say to him? I was like, I guess our time at Jumbo's Clown Room meant nothing to you. Um, and he was like, no, how could I forget you? Like, it, like reference something from our date that I had kind of forgotten what the joke was. So then I was like, do I want to rekindle this or not? Like, whatever. So I kind of just let the chat expire. Not on purpose. I just kind of forgot about it. And then, because on Coffee Meets Bagel, they expire. And then he added me to Instagram. This is like what a modern 2020 yeah. <laughs> romance this is. Yeah. He added me to Instagram. He re- replied to one of my pictures and we started chatting again. And I just was kind of like, hey, do you want to get a drink sometime? I don't know why. You know what? No, I do know why. Because I was like, maybe I could just get a fuck buddy out of this. But then, like, every time I do that, I just never follow through. Like, I'm like, oh, it's it's fine. Like, I'll just, I'll use him for sex. And then it just feels weird. Yeah. So anyway, we're in the middle of talking. Because you know what the deal is with that? It's that, like, you need to do it with one of those people that's, like, too nice to you. Because the problem is when you do it with people who, like, you're chasing – or like you would be okay if they turned around and were like, I'd like a relationship, then you're always going to want the relationship in the back of your head. But if you did it with somebody who you actually were not interested in a relationship with, then it would be successful. Yeah. Well, it's kind of annoying because he's just like, okay, well, what's open? And I'm like, a simple Google search would tell you outdoor dining. Like you can just tell he's not trying to put the effort in. So we'll see what happens with that. I think I should probably just let that one go. I mean, he's ghosted you, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not like he's putting in the effort. Seems like you're more interested than he is. He's also like 37. It's like this is not going to end well. That's my take. No, you're right. I was actually going over like all the things with my neighbor and she's like, okay, well, let's say you do sleep with him. You're going to have to be okay with him. Maybe just go see you again. And there's like a certain level of shame associated with that. Right. Like, especially being a woman. Oh, it never feels good afterwards. It never feels good. Yeah. But our guest today, I was watching some of his videos and one of the things that he talks about that I really loved was you have to go through to get through, meaning that you have to have difficult experiences. Well, you know what? I'll just let him tell you. Let's go talk to our guest today. All right. So we're super excited to welcome Coach Courtney Gatlin, a certified life and relationship coach. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. It's awesome. Thank yeah. you for having me. Of course. And you said you were having a busy day of coaching calls? Yes. Well, thank and you, you for making time for us. Yeah, and you mentioned no that um, <laughs> your business took off in the pandemic um, with coaching. So I'm just curious why you think that, um, like, the pandemic, do you think that sparked more relationship issues? Or what do you think about it um, made it really take off? Absolutely. Um, yeah. There were a lot more traffic. You know, my, my website was getting so many. It was getting just a ton of a ton more hits, like, 
300% more hits than it normally was. Uh, my YouTube channel, uh, I don't know, I kind of call it my groove, but I'm like a nerd when it comes to analytics. I like study it. I study what people are doing and what gets their attention. And um, I had already had the background in that information. So I just kind of started to just tweak it a little bit, tweak, tweak the hashtags, uh, tweak the content that I was providing. And sure enough, like it, it started to grow. It, one week I started to go up 10%, and the next week went up 50%, then uh, 70%. And wow. next thing you know, I was getting all of my traffic comes through YouTube. Well, I won't say all of it. To be specific, 89% of my traffic comes from YouTube. The rest is Instagram, TikTok. And it's just a lot of people going through breakups. And what people were realizing was they were locked down with people that they, A, they didn't know, or B, they didn't like. So they started to reach out to me and ask me on how to kind of right the ship a little bit and turn the relationships around. So COVID, like I honestly, I feel like if COVID didn't happen, you know, I probably would have just been shooting shots in the dark or throwing darts at, at the board, trying to figure out the right recipe to get more people through the door. But it's it's been crazy helpful. Uh, it's a tragedy, but while I'm homeschooling, I get to also coach too, so. Yeah. And how did you first get involved in this? Shoot. How does everybody go into the personal development school? Something dramatic happened in my life. You know, me was it was a divorce, um, and I said, you know what? I will do everything I can help people in my situation to help them understand uh, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and I can kind of help coach them and guide them to that light, and as well as like nudge them back on the right path when I see that they're clearly starting to stray off and yeah there's just that passion like that 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 pain I turn that pain into passion my uh during my whole little search for uh discovery and growth I came across a book I think it's Victor Frankel uh man's search for meaning I love that book. I my yeah. background's in like humanistic psychology, so they talk about that book all the time. Yeah, sociology was me, but I was very intrigued by psychology, and I was. I feel like the real educating happens once you graduate, because honestly, I I forgot eighty percent of the stuff that I learned in school, but the educating happened, and the education like what the stuff that I do today happened after I graduated, like the continuing education credits. Um, the lectures and things I went to that really just intrigued me. Mm -hmm. it, it was actually more like psychology slash trauma, uh, trauma-informed care, a bunch of different, a bunch of different, um, you know, psychology-based courses and stuff. So that book, I came across that and, you know, it just turned my, turned my life around. Actually, the book that did it for me because all I did in quarantine was read, study, um, study people like Napoleon Hill, Earl Nightingale, um, James Allen. As a man think it was the book that that turned me around. Uh, Victor Frankel, like Bob Proctor, Dr. Wayne Dyer, uh, Les Brown, just all over the place. Like I was a nerd for it. Once I got into that funnel, it was just over because 
Like I knew that uh, there was more to life than what I was living. And I had to be kind of like the the, uh, the sacrifice for you know, the bigger purpose that God had for me. I was going to say the one quote I love in that book is like, it's the analogy of comparing like a human suffering to like gas filling up a chamber and like no matter like how much you pump, it's going to fill it up evenly. And I feel like that's such a good analogy when you're going through a breakup because you kind of go through this like this kind of misery phase where you're very like self-indulgent on your pain and yeah. you're like, yeah. but then kind of beat yourself up and you're like, there's so many bigger things in the world happening to me. But I just, uh-huh. I mean, is there a specific reason? Like, I mean, I know you're talking about your divorce, but like, I guess with like the breakups and divorces, are there like patterns that you're seeing or just like, why was it so intriguing to you to kind of help others along this path? Oh, the breakup aspect. Um, because that's, I think that's, that's the area where people experience the most pain and that's the area where they're the most lost. And, uh, I felt like it was kind of my purpose. Like I, I couldn't ignore it. Um, because I remember what I was, what I, what I was experiencing when it was three or four o'clock in the morning and I had nobody to talk to. And all I had was like YouTube and some of those people to be real soothing and therapeutic for me to listen to. And I saw so much contradictory advice that I felt kind of obligated to just kind of give them the real. So one of the guys I listened to, he says, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. You know, so you can have the knowledge, but if you don't have the experience, you don't have true wisdom. You can have the experience, but if you don't have the educational background in it, you don't have the true wisdom. So I felt like many people miss that extra part. They may have the knowledge and they're basing things off of what they've seen or what they, they've read, but they don't have the experience. So that's, that's kind of, I felt obligated to, um, to kind of touch on that and, and make that my main focus because I have all three. Like I've, I've been married, I've been divorced, I've been through heartache, but I've also been through healthy relationships. And I've also been able to, um, I was always a guy that people would come to me about relationship advice anyway. And they'll always just find solace in talking to me. And I and I mentor, I ran another business. This is my second business. I ran a mentoring business for 15, 16 years. And it was kind of comparable to the um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters program. So in my area, I started it and it was like, I worked with all at-risk youth and I would just pick them up every day after school. And uh, I guess that's kind of where I got the most of my, most of my, um, my listening skills from because you know you got to kind of be there and be present with them in order to get them to open up and i just thought this was a natural progression into what i was supposed to be doing in life so i just kind of gravitated towards it i don't know well no i think it's really interesting because in one of your youtube videos i love your quote i think it's actually from your mom when she said um you have to go through to get through and yeah. I'm a child of divorce and my um, dating issues were heavily, I think, impacted because of my parents' divorce. Um, and I really resonated with that quote because I feel like I am a more empathetic person because of like the trauma that I went through. And it's a bit easier for me to give advice and to understand yeah. what people are going through because of having gone through that. And I do notice sometimes with other people who maybe haven't been through like something as traumatic when they do deal with situations later on in life that are very traumatic, yeah. it's sometimes like more of a, 
a panic aspect. Yeah, yeah. They catch them off guard and they just don't yeah. know what to do. But it's like, well, that's what happens when you don't have the experience. Because if you actually had it, then you'll you'll be able to operate at a much more calmer and much more uh, with a better view, a clearer view. You know, like you, you won't be surprised. Like you just kind of expect it, and then when it happens, you know how to maneuver. Like you'll be prepared for it. So right. Uh, so I get what you're saying. Yeah, I wasn't too off base. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about um, your daughter and like how she was impacted by, um, you know, you going through that. Well, I have three, uh, 18, 12, and six, and they all handled it very different. My six-year-old is an anxious attacher, and, you know, she pretty much, all she's all under my legs doing coaching calls, and she's constantly under me. I think my 12-year-old turned more dismissive. She's very independent. She does things on her own. But the 18, she's 18 now, but it was, she was 15 when we got divorced, or around 15, 16. And she handled it the roughest because you know, I'm all she know. We, you know, us together was all she ever knew. So she was quite, um, she wasn't really happy about it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know where she's at today as far as like with the whole deal. I'm sure she's processing it on her own time, but um, she did tell me she wanted to get into like uh, counseling too or something like that. So I don't know. She's kind of following in my footsteps a little bit, but I, yeah, it, uh, divorce, hand, uh, divorce affects everybody differently. I guess there's no one size to fit all. And it's it clearly all three of my kids have, they, they feel totally different about, you know, their experience or their, uh, their recollection of how things went down and how things transpired is all different. Like six year olds, like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But I'm actually starting to see them, you know, ask more questions now. Hmm. As far as my middle, my middle, my youngest ask more questions about things like what happened, like how things you know, kind of unfolded. And I'm pretty transparent with them. Um, so I try, I'm transparent, but I try to keep it at an age appropriate level, you know, something that they can understand and digest. So they're definitely at the point now, you know, it's, it's been a couple of years now where uh, they're actually okay with talking about it because at the beginning they didn't even want to talk about it. Right? They're just kind of getting used to like, all right, this is the new normal. Like my uh, my twelve year old the other night, we watched Mrs. Doubtfire together, mm. and I don't know if you remember Mrs. Doubtfire, but in that movie, you know, Robin Williams got divorced and he had three kids, and then he acted like he was a housemaid in order to see his kids more throughout the divorce, and my. 12 year old was she was a little that's when she started asking questions now i'm not going to go into it on the podcast but she she just started asking questions about you know, how things transpired and uh she's happy that you know she gets to see me as much because on the movie he, he had very restricted um time with his kids but yeah i guess to sum it up they all handled it very differently yeah uh, it was kind of taboo when he beginning to talk about it, but now I'm starting to see them open up and ask questions. My 12-year-old actually said that she thought it was her fault Aww. that it happened. 
And I was like, yeah, no, this is all adult stuff. This had nothing to do with you. Yeah. And she was thinking like, I felt like if I would have like interjected and um, said something or spoke up, you know, this might not happen. Like, no, but that's the kid's mind. The kid, children are very, uh, their world view revolves around just them. They're very selfish thinkers. They think that everything happens because of them. Mm-hmm. And that could be a good thing and it could be a bad thing too. You know, they're not able to see things like I'm crying. Like uh, my, my dad's not here for me right now. It's yeah. probably because I'm broken. But they're not able to see like, no, my dad is on a coaching call and he can't come to me right now because they're just, it's just the way that they view things. I'm glad she asked that because she would have been, you know, making that assumption for a long time from now if yeah. we didn't have that conversation, so. Yeah. yeah, and you touched a little bit too that they all kind of have different attachment styles and that was something that we wanted to talk to you about and kind of how those different attachment styles form. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, like after, like I've like listened to a few books and like, you know, on the subject and I would say I admittedly think I'm a little bit anxious as well. Yeah. And, yeah. And I know it isn't a bad thing. And it's not a bad thing, you know, if you can control it. Like you gotta be able to turn it because it's actually a superpower if you can if you understand it. Like you can turn it on and off. Yeah. Well that's like if you can activate act, actually deactivate whenever you can, then that's it actually works to your benefit. Well, let's talk about how those kind of form because a lot of it was talking about kind of childhood and like the attachment to your parents and stuff. But I would yeah. say a lot of my dating anxiety kind of comes from the way that I've been treated, like in the past from guys on dating apps and kind of like yeah. always expecting the worst. And that's kind of like some advice you get too is like, just go into it. Don't be too attached. Like, just don't like, you know, kind of detach yourself from the outcome of it. And that's mm-hmm. hard, especially as females, when we're taught like, you know, marriage is the end all be all. So let's just talk a little bit about like kind of how these different attachment styles form and then what you were kind of going into how to control the anxious. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, what I learned in the beginning when I was going through school is that these styles were formed, you know, before the age of five. Mm-hmm. You know, you have uh, an analogy that they use is like if you are living in a caveman or, you know, you have. The dismissive avoidant, which is the person who never got too close to their parent because they know that the parent was going to leave the cave eventually and have to go hunt and be gone for months at a time, you know, maybe even never come back. So they try not to get too attached to them. And then you have the uh, anxious preoccupied person who, uh, once they're, once the person's there, uh, their caregiver is there, they're always under them because they just fear the day that that person will leave. And when that person leaves, they're they're deregulated and they're like losing weight, not eating, not sleeping. Really anxious about that person coming back. The, the abandonment uh, fear is like at the forefront. And then you have the um, <clears throat> the secure person who is able to balance it out in between, like accept that person when they come home and realize that hey, eventually they may have to leave, but I'm just going to enjoy their time right and make the most of it and then you know wish them well and wish them luck you know say a prayer when they leave and then you have the uh, fearful avoidant which is um the one that is the most 
uh, deregulated. You know, some would think that they they may even look bipolar in a relationship because they're uh, they're the one when the parents there they're under them, and then at the next minute they're like turn away from them in their room on a cell phone and like don't even want anything to do with their parent. And as soon as their parent don't pay them any attention, they're coming back out the room and you guys never show me any attention. It's like, uh, well, I'm going to be leaving the cave for a couple months. So are you going to do this? No, you just go ahead. All right, give me a kiss. So it's like, all right, you're all over the place. Come on, you're, you're a little too hot and cold here. Um, so that, you know, I think that that style is formed from, you know, the situation like we talked, like you said earlier, that's formed from uh, previous relationships. At some point, I believe, or from what I've seen, it, it could have been a person that was anxious, that completely let their guard down and completely got let down. And from there on out, their previous, their, their future relationships, they showed up fearful. It's like they really want it, but the instant that they feel that that person is like pulling away, like if they start to see that that person is showing just a little bit of tweaks in their their day-to-day operations. You know, if a person texts me every morning, good morning, the moment that they text me at 12, I'm like, uh, what's going on? As a fearful, what's going on? Oh yeah, he's leaving. Yep, knew it. And then as soon as they text you, oh, hey, how's it going? Good morning. So they're a little bit more um, skittish, almost like an abused puppy or, you know, a cat that runs under the couch. So that's kind of how that's formed. And for the anxious person, it's working on um, getting yourself to the point where you can regulate, where you can deactivate yourself, uh, which I'm still trying to work out, if I'm being honest. I'm trying to figure out the perfect storm or the perfect cure to help a person deactivate. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just one thing that they have to change. Because I know when people are talking to their friends and they're saying, girl, just forget about them. Or just don't even call her again. Don't text her again. But it's, 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 it's tougher than that. Like you have to burn both ends of the candle in order to uh, get yourself to a, a, a state where you're recentered, and it's a combination of meditation, uh, gratitude, work, improving your self-esteem, and forgiveness. I'm doing some forgiveness work too. So that's a bunch of different things that you have to do in order to get your get the results you want at the quickest rate. Because you can live in an anxious state for a really long time and never find closure, and never feel like you can move on from that person. Even I like the still Tony Robbins quote. They they live in a world of shoulds, and you say you don't want to should all over yourself, <laughs> which is which is great. So I'm trying to get people to the point where they can really manage that anxiety that way. Uh, and it, it, it usually comes from personal development. The development and I'm going off the stuff that I've done, stuff that it, that it worked for me, which is you know really burying myself in finding some type of purpose. And once I was able to find purpose, uh, there's another thing that Tony Robbins talks about, which is the will of life. The will of life is you have to be able to balance every area of your life. And when a person becomes anxious, that balance shifts. You start to put a lot more energy and time into your relationship part of your life. And you start to slack. 
on your hobbies and your goals and your uh, your family life and your health. Like every everything falls out of whack. Mm-hmm. So I'm really trying to help people uh, balance that part of their life back, uh, balance that part out. And when they get in these triggered or these activated states, try to get them to you know get recentered as quickly as possible. And it's like I said, it takes it takes all those. Like, I don't think you can do, you can't have one without the other. Like, it's got to be kind of like the total package. We're all out here trying to be the Secures admin, but. Yeah, <laughs> um, right, right. <laughs> you know, we're the, the Secure or the, um, they are the minority. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I heard, and I don't know if this is true, if you can confirm or deny that, like, anxious. Is it anxious and dismissive anxious, or preoccupied? Yes, anxious, preoccupied, and it's dismissive and fearful avoiding. Okay, I heard that the anxious and the dismissive always kind of seem to find each other in relationships. And I was wondering if you could talk about why that is and how I can stop dating dismissive men. (laughs) I kind of got a theory for that. Uh, I'm an empath, and I feel that empathic people tend to attract more... uh, people who aren't as empathic. You know, it's, it's the law of polarization. Um, you attract, op- you know this, you know what I'm saying, opposites attract. But the thing, the problem is opposites don't last because at some point you're gonna suck the life out of each other. Like one part is gonna give too much and the other part is not gonna, it's gonna take too much. Wait, I wanna um, say that quote again. I love when someone says a good quote. So opposites attract, but opposites don't last. That's such a good yeah. quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, after a while it just, it gets exhausting. Whatever, whatever attracted to you, attracted them to you in the first place is going to become exhausting. It's going to become uh, red flags. You know, they were red flags to begin with, but because they were so different, you know, uh, they intrigued you. And I have to tell you, I, 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 I'm all about, you know, uh, men and women operate differently. Women are attracted to mystery. You guys are very, you know, curiosity. You're curious. You guys are very curious, and, and that mystery is what intrigues you. But then when you find out everything about them, and you, they're no longer a mystery, or you don't like what you see, that's when you start to become uh, unattractive to them. You know, when they over-disclose too much. And you may be even able to relate to this. Like, if you ever went on a date where a guy just pretty much told you all of his nightmare stories and uh, over-disclosed stuff, and you're like, ew, uh, yeah, sign me up for some more of that. No, thank you. <laughs> it was the guy that was laid back and was just chill. And you, huh, I wonder if he likes me or not. I wonder if he's attracted me. I wonder if he thinks I'm cute. Like, he, he didn't really offer too much. He was mysterious, so he kept you around. But once um, you run across the guy that's, that's a little too needy and looks like he doesn't have anything else going on, and like, you're... He's giving out real stalkerish, like you're my world vibes, and you're like, yeah, it's it's not okay. Because that's a red flag too, right? Like too much up front on either end, really. So even you being an anxious preoccupied, meeting a band that's more anxious, more AP than you are, is going to repel you. Mm -hmm. It's going to make you not want to even give that person the time of day. So you know, you it would be good for you to be with somebody that's more like you but it's not what you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. You know how women say, I want a good man, but then when they get a good man, they're like, yeah, this is boring as hell. 
Like, it's so true. Cardi B has like a quote. <laughs> She's like, yeah, like, like oh, I, I'll take a little bit of toxic, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it works. It's so weird. Yeah, no, it is so true. So that's what it is. That's why, you know, APs kind of attract dismissals because they're mysterious. Um, they're very independent. They're usually goal oriented, uh, maybe high functioning in their job. Uh, whatever career they're in, um, and they look like alpha males. Mm -hmm. But my theory is, you know, alpha males can't keep women because they're not able to meet the woman in the middle and meet their need. And well, beta males are really good at picking up women too, but then they get friend zone because they put off a lot of friend zone vibes and, you know, they over disclose and they're talking about feelings and emotions and after a while they're like if i want to deal with this then i'll just go talk to my girlfriend like, i don't want to have to hear about your sore back and all of that stuff all day long like no thank you so. <laughs> outside of the attachment styles i know i'm sure you probably get a lot of views on those on your youtube and TikTok, but are there any other kind of categories or topics that you touch on that you feel like analytics wise you're getting like a lot of views on uh analytics wise is rebound relationships Mm -hmm. Yeah, and getting ex girlfriend or boyfriend back. So, yeah. Getting them back. Yeah, get how to get your ex back usually. And what do you say? I don't like. Don't. I don't like making too much. I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of I'm kind of doing the same thing, but it's more uh, attachment style related. But uh, yeah, I do know how to do it. I, mean, <laughs> I know how to, I know I know how to get people their give people their best chance of of getting them back. I mean, usually, like no contact, it right? Yeah, the no contact, no contact rule, which has to be. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, <laughs> I feel like you know, I feel, I feel, I really feel like it's manipulation. Um, you're trying to trigger their FOMO mm. in their brain, and it works usually. <laughs> but for each attachment style, it has to be a little different, especially if you weren't like, if you weren't just complete, you know what? to them in a relationship and they were the one that ended it then they'll be you know second guessing themselves um wondering where you where they stand with you and if you've moved on and if what they did make was a mistake so yeah usually that it works i mean no contact rule does work but i just don't like when people do it and they're not like discovering themselves and not healing themselves and not trying to be the best best them, them the best person they can be right like if they just sit around twiddling their thumbs and then wait for wait to reach out after 30 days then like yo, it's kind of worthless like you just wasted a bunch of time like you really should be trying to heal your style so you can show up differently and really self-reflect on what what you did wrong and what that person did wrong you know, first first and foremost go ahead I would say, like, especially when you're sitting there, like, checking their social media and, like, you know, like, like you said, like, that goes along with, like, the, like, putting the 30 days on it because they're still kind of obsessing over it. Yeah, yeah, you're, st you're still orbiting them, you know, mm -hmm. what you should be doing is step one, you should be taking out a piece of paper, drawing a line down the middle, writing what's positive about that person, what's negative about that person, what needs they met and what needs they were, they, they weren't meeting. And would and you that's what you be doing mostly from an anxious attachment style, like people who want to get their exes back? 
or can it be any of the attachment styles? That reach out? Like, I don't know. It just seems to me like if you were one of the secure, the minority of the secure attachment people, that yeah. you would be um, more secure with yourself to realize that, like, if that relationship didn't work out, it most likely wasn't meant to be. But it seems like sort of an anxious attachment style to want to continue to try to get the ex yeah. You can't imagine life without them. Yeah, well, your attachment style changes throughout circumstances and mm. throughout situations. I've worked with I worked with quite a few uh, people that are actually secure, but they were triggered into their anxious mm. uh, by that person because they may have been left abruptly, or uh, they were just confused at how fast things fell apart, and they just wanted a little bit of clarification. Like, am I wrong? Did I, did I do anything? And like I said, they they everybody that comes to me has already taken their attachment style quiz, and they. They pretty much know what they are, and they pretty much know what their exes are. Hmm. And you know, I've I've worked with a, a good few of them that were secure, and they were just triggered into their their anxious, preoccupied side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the best they, but secure people usually heal quicker from the uh, the trauma of the breakup. So. Yeah, as you say, that happens to the best of us. And I feel like going through a breakup. I'm sure you've heard multiple stories, but you just are like, no other experience is like mine. Like, I know people have gone through breakups, but mine's different. Or like, oh, goodness. different. And it's like, no, yeah. yours is the same as everyone else's. They but. hate to hear that. They, yeah. they, you know, because they feel like, yeah, I get that all the time. I got a very unique situation here. Like, mine is different. You probably heard, didn't hear anything crazy. Like, yeah, I've heard this before. Right. It's just, a, you know, there's only, there's only three answers to it. Any anything you can say, any scenarios, there's really only three answers to it. So they're like, yeah, well, this person has this happened. And I know, you know, the road to get there may have been tumultuous, but you got, you still got to the end result, which is, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. Well, do you think it's, well, I was actually curious of both of your opinions. Do you think it's harder to do the breakup or get broken up with? I think get broken up with. That's a hard one. Like to do the breakup, especially if you really care about the person, I think it's really difficult. I, you know, I'm thinking that that's like a 50 50 toss up. Yeah. That's the, like yeah, the. Um, but after like you get broken would, up with, the aftermath yeah. is so much worse than af the aftermath yeah. of actually breaking up with them. That's true. Yeah. It lasts yeah. longer. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I would think that, um, you know, the length of the relationship too plays a big factor. You know, with date naps, and you know how superficial that is people are just breaking up people so easily these days it's like eh, you know on to the next yeah like, it is what it is you're not my person so yeah yeah i'm just gonna go find the person which is easier said than done on the apps for sure yeah yeah next swipe literally like you can totally destroy a person's self-esteem ego self-worth by one swipe of the finger that's true out here kind of sad. It's kind of sad. It's sad. I know. I'm taking a break from them right now, but yeah. From dating? From dating apps. Oh, dating apps? Yeah. yeah I would, I'm not going to meet anyone. I'm in my house all day. So yeah, I guess just right, right. in general. <laughs> yeah, dating, you know, being a dating coach during quarantine was a very tough thing to do. Mm -hmm. there was there was no dating I was gonna say yeah our letter writer today definitely seems like an anxious attachment person yes okay okay it says 
Dear damsels, I've been having a lot of trouble connecting with my partner lately. Whenever something is bothering me, he seems to be a bit more dismissive of it than he typically has been in the past. For example, I tried to call him the other night to make plans, but he never answered or called me back. When I confronted him about it, he claimed he never received the call and that I was being too clingy. I know I shouldn't have, but I looked through his phone later and he certainly did have a missed call for me at that time. We used to be so much better at communicating through little things like this, but it seems like something has shifted. Is it possible for us to get back on track? Sincerely, am I too attached? That sounds like the one that you were talking about, Courtney, the one that goes back and forth. The hot and cold? Yeah, because it's she said that he was like better before and now like he's kind of like not really communicating with her. Yeah, something he something she's done, and it may not even been something she's done. Something it's going on inside his internal world, whether it be work or family or something, has caused what I like to call the turtle in the shell. The turtle has went into the shell. It's isolation. It's uh, it's reflection. Um, what uh, Dr. John Gray calls going into the cave. When men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Men go into men go into the cave, but I feel like you know that's all just missile avoidance. They go into their 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 protective layer and then what they just don't want to talk to anybody they don't want to talk about anything emotional anything deep they just want to just be and exist without having any pressure to come out of that shell anytime soon uh, but unfortunately though if you are the person dating them you can't be like the rabbit that's hopping around the turtle shell trying to get them to come out with that anxiety because they can sense that anxiety like come out let's talk about this right now what's going on are you okay Tell me what's on your mind. It's like, come on, just that's too much. Yeah. And they have a hard time, like, improving their emotions, you know, and being able to to say what's on their mind at the time. They really have to reflect on what they're feeling and how they're uh, going to get themselves to a better state. So this person, you know, it would be within her best interest to just kind of back off and look for the signs of him reactivating. You know, so if he starts to like a Facebook post, or if he initiates contact first, or um, yeah, those are all like little subtle signs that they're reactivating. It's not because it's not too vulnerable, you know. They may, they they always orbit, like whether they're activated or deactivated, they'll orbit. Like you'll see them checking your Snap or your Instagram stories, and they won't reach out, but they'll just kind of like just let you know that they're just there in the in the area watching and. They're interested in your life, but they don't want to be in your life uh, to such a great degree. You know, they want to be able to have that that sense of control over how much access you get to them. It feels unfair, though, because like it it is un it, it is unfair. Yeah, she just has but to you, lay low and just leave him alone until he decides. Yeah, well, one of my subscribers said, oh, commented, you know, it's like I'm walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. I was like, it, it kind of is, and you kind of got to make the best of the, the good times that you have. So instead of just like enjoying those blissful moments with them, like use those times to you know, take advantage of their vulnerable side. Mm -hmm. So if they're, say, he deactivated, when he reactivates and they're together, sorry, when he, when he reactivates and they're together, she needs to kind of like, you know, lay out her boundaries about that say you know hey you know when you 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 went missing last week like that really makes me feel this way when you do that uh 
it's really hurtful. And I feel like, you know, something's wrong. Like I did something wrong. So in the, in the future, if you can just let me know that you're overwhelmed or something, that's going to be huge for me. And it's going to be huge for you too, because you can get your freedom to do whatever you want, but it's also going to give me certainty that you're not just breaking up with me or you're abandoning me because that's what it, you don't have to go on into this. But that's what it feels like to yank this person is. They're never going to hear from that person again. And that person's mad at them and that they did something wrong because they're flawed. Because I feel like they're anxious because like they're flawed. And it's only a matter of time before somebody leaves us. We live in a constant state of that. It's only a matter of time before somebody figures me out and realize that I'm not the person that they want to be with. So in the future, she needs to just kind of like, don't give him an out. You know, don't let him just come back and re-engage like nothing happened. You know, kind of get on his good side a little bit and then have that conversation with like, in the future, this is what I want. Like, this is what it, this is what I need in order to feel secure in this relationship. That's a great point um, because I think I'm definitely the anxious attachment style and I've been in a relationship for five years. So like, I definitely have secure attachment in that, but like this type of situation would definitely activate my anxious attachment for sure. Um, but right. I think you're so right that like, if she tried to have a conversation now, that person isn't going to be receptive to it because they're not in that headspace of being open yep. to talk about it. But it is so important still to be transparent about how, um, having these types of lapses in communication isn't healthy for either of them. Mm -hmm. Because what I learned about dismissals when they do deactivate, literally I've heard several of them say that it's kind of just like they go numb. Yeah. Like they just go to numb to all emotions. Yeah. Uh, that's just a way of them like suppressing or repressing those feelings yeah. and not, not feeling them. So... So if you're coming to them and you're trying to have an emotional conversation and make them feel those feelings, they're just going to either ignore you or you know, many of them will block somebody because they just don't want to, they don't want to go there. So. Yeah. But I like what you said, because it like lets her put up a boundary of like what she is and is not going to accept in the future. Cause like you can't just keep going through these cycles. And I went, actually went through this with like my last boyfriend of like this cycle of like him being dismissive and then like coming back and then being dismissive again. And I still remember when we broke up, I was like, is something going on like between us? And he was like, yeah. no, not everything's about you. <laughs> what he said to me. That is what, that is what they say. They say, it's not all about you. I promise you that it's such a dismissive statement. Um, it's not I, all about you. Because then he just came, like, then he came back and broke up with me in that same conversation. So I was like, okay, yeah. so it was about us. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think he might have just didn't want to have to deal with it anymore. Yeah. They would much rather be alone than have to deal with the, the drama of a relationship. Really? Because he found a girlfriend immediately after me. So. Well, well, maybe. <laughs> well, it, it was probably <clears throat> rebound. You know, kind of maybe, maybe to try to repress those feelings, and maybe it was a way to for him to get over you. Yeah, to feel maybe those he's in the relationship, so I saw that one coming, but still settle. <laughs> you know, if if he's going relationship to relationship, he might be fearful. Yeah. That's what's interesting. I feel like a lot of these can kind of bleed into each other, and like, no, like people aren't just one type of attachment style. Yeah, have like gotten from this conversation. So you have all of them in you. It's just they're different percentages, and which one drive takes the driver's seat? Yeah. It's circumstantial, 
and uh, depends on you know what you're going through at the moment yeah and I think they definitely even bleed into friendships and like you know parent relationships I don't think it's just you know dating relationships. absolutely yeah absolutely like everybody that I work with like you know I want to say everybody 90 a high percentage of people that I work with 90 percent they all say <clears throat> that they're not like this in all their other relationships it's just something about this person they may say that no, I, I used to be a player. I used to date around with this one person. Like, it's just that one, you, you only get attached. You meet somebody, you know, once or twice every decade that you actually get attached to. Mm-hmm. You can have a bunch of different surface level relationships or whatever. And it's just going to be, you know, once or twice a decade where that person just does it for you. Or they check all your boxes and you have such a hard time getting over them and you fall in love with the potential they show you these little nuggets of the perfect person and then they pull it all away and that's what gets you hooked mm-hmm. is that little nugget of uh, possibility or um, what you could be and it's really hard to like un- to forget that it's hard to forget that and that's such a good reminder because it's like yeah, with like my ex bouncing from girlfriend to girlfriend, you know, I see a lot of my friends get in more relationships than me, but true and like genuine connection does not come along like that often. And no, when you have it, you want to hang on to it, which is why you hang on for so long. Yeah. Before we wrap up though, Courtney, can you tell people um, where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on YouTube, which is my home base. Uh, YouTube, Coach Court. Uh, Instagram is I am Coach Court. And Twitter is Coach Court too. Actually, you can go Facebook, too. I have a Facebook page. I am Coach Court. So I guess I'm all over. TikTok. Uh, yes, I am Coach Court. Which is, which is blown. Yeah, TikTok is blown up. It's crazy. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Yeah, it has been. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you reaching out. That was fun. I know. I feel like I learned so much. I know. I really, yeah. Apparently, I'm as clingy as I thought I was. And that's what I that's what I have taken away from this. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Write us your letters. Going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.